welcome to the JAG podcast. My name is Anthony. And my name is Tarbe. For those new to JAG, it stands for the Joint Advisory Group on GI Endoscopy. We were founded in 1994 and have been aiming to improve GI endoscopy services ever since. This podcast will aim to help you and your service understand more about JAG and the elements of becoming accredited. Let's meet our guest. Today we'll be joined by Accreditation Chair Mark Jarvis, who will be giving us insights into his role within JAG and information on quality and safety that is sure to help you and your service. Um, so we've already had a little preview into who you are, but could you please delve deeper into what your role is within JAG, please? Yeah, yes. Um, I, I, I thought you were going to ask me about how I got involved with working for JAG. Um, it's an interesting question, actually. I've always been really very keen on high-quality endoscopy and improving performance by looking at key performance indicators. So initially, when I started out as an endoscopist, I used these numbers to get better and better and to measure my performance. I then went on to look at the performance of my department when I became lead at Basildon Hospital. And I found that by applying the JAG process, I could get endoscopists better and better and provide really good governance. JAG then came to visit our hospital and they liked what they saw and we got accreditation. And at the time, the inspector asked me if I wouldn't mind becoming a JAG inspector. I wholeheartedly agreed and I've been an inspector for a good few years now. And after doing that for a while, I went through the process of applying as accreditation chairman for JAG. I had a, an interview, quite a, quite a tough interview, but it, an interview nonetheless, and I was appointed in my present role. Perfect. Thanks for uh, delving deeper into that, Mark. So in terms of the role of JAG Accreditation Chair, what are your main responsibilities? Well, on a day-to-day basis, I answer any clinical questions that our users have. They may be questions from services or they may be questions from our inspectors. I also oversee all the inspections that we do, so I have to sign those off. And I'm involved in a few committees. So I have a role in determining what accreditation standards are, what the interpretation of those standards are, and what the guidance is as well regarding those things. So I am involved in the direction of travel of accreditation as well as overseeing it on a day-to-day basis and uh, a little further forward. Amazing. So in terms of something else that you're involved with, um, it's quality and safety. So quality and safety features quite heavily within our global rating scale that we use to assess services. Uh, Could you please give us an insight into what quality and safety covers? Yes. So quality and safety is about whether the endoscopy that is performed is of the highest standard and it is performed in a safe and appropriate way. It's really to do with clinical governance and um, we measure these standards um, with the global rating scale. That's how we measure uh, hospitals performing. And then with the quality and safety, um, what what's the guidance based on? Well, it's based on what the best practice is. It's to do with what a good endoscopy department looks like. So we would expect them to be performing um, 
we would expect them to be measuring their key performance indicators. We would expect them to be have a good grip on what complications are occurring. We would expect their governance processes to be excellent. Now, we base that on what we'd really like to see, and the main outside input for that is from the BSG. So the BSG writes clinical guidance on a, a large number of uh, areas, and we base our uh, global rating scale and our accreditation standards, which are now have been amalgamated, we base them largely on what the BSG uh, advice is. So I'm sure you've come across some challenges that services are facing. So what type of challenges do services have when they're trying to meet these standards? Well, when services are trying to meet the clinical accreditation standards, there are quite a few things that they can, um, they can struggle with. So it's important that they have a um, robust governance structure. So they'd need to have a clinical lead with time that is available to them in order that they fulfill the process. They have to have a very good grip on KPIs, so they would need to measure their endoscopy key performance indicators on a six-monthly basis at least, and where there is any um, lapse or shortfallings in those, they need to identify, they need to fall back, and they need to have a definite action plan. They need to be open to and react to any complications that occur. And they just need to be a very safe, um, appropriate unit with fine attention, fastidious attention to KPIs, to performance and to clinical standards. Yeah, that was an excellent answer that you gave to my question, which links perfectly onto the next one. So. Do you have any advice for services that are trying to meet this part of the GRS? Yes, I do. They have to plan well ahead. It takes at least a year to achieve these. You need to have a clinical lead with an appropriate amount of time set aside in order to do it. If you're a, an NHS provider, this might be one PA. If you're a private provider, then you may have a different type of arrangement and there may be more support in terms of audit. So you've got to have a lead who is dedicated, who is determined. You've got to have a timetable for audit, and all the audits are laid out in the, uh, in the document. There's a document which provides advice on meeting the quality and safety guidance, and this is a document that I've recently updated. So you'd need to know the audits, you need to have an audit plan, who's going to do it, how you're going to feed back, and you need to have an action plan where the standards are not achieved. KPIs have to be measured fastidiously. You have to provide feedback to endoscopists on their performance. And if there's anything that's not up to scratch, then there needs to be a plan at least to get that in the right direction. Um, you need to have a meeting in order to discuss the findings and this is usually in the form of an endoscopy users group you'd need to plan two of those in the year running up to accreditation so i would say you need a lead 
they need to have access to this document, they need to read through it, they need to come up with a plan, look at the document regularly, take a deep breath because it does feel like a lot, but crack on with it in a timely and appropriate manner. And with those things, they've got the best chance of achieving what they need to. And obviously you've, you've mentioned and hinted at the quality and safety uh, standards and guidance have, have recently been updated by yourself. A lot of hard work gone into that, um, I'm sure. Uh, could you just give us a, a, a brief idea of, of what kind of areas have been updated uh, in that document? Yes, certainly. Yeah, when I looked at the document, I thought perhaps there wouldn't need to be a lot of changes. But actually, there are a few areas that we have made changes. One of those is in ERCP. So this advanced form of endoscopy, we've come to realize that perhaps we're not performing as well as we ought to. Um, and one of the changes that we've made is on insisting that audit data is provided for individual endoscopists every year. And that needs to be provided in the form of an audit outcome. It needs to be measured, it needs to be fed back to endoscopists, and all of the JAG KPIs need to be provided for that. Now, we had said that we required it before, but some units, unfortunately, weren't providing it for us. You need that now for your annual review. So ERCP has been updated, post-colonoscopy colorectal cancer. There's been recent changes within this. There's an automated way in which data is provided to trusts. It comes from national databases of endoscopies performed and cancer databases. So there's automatic feedback of data to clinical leads in order to facilitate um, robust review of this data. So that's another thing that's changed. And finally, we've had update of NED. We're moving from the first um, iteration of NED towards the second iteration of NED, NED I2, and this provides additional KPIs and additional data for endoscopy units. And there's been a few changes within the document in order to accommodate this. So they're fairly small changes. The document reads in a similar way to which it did before, but there are changes and it's just been nicely updated. It's good to have a review of a document and to put it out fresh. I I completely agree. I think when you when you're reviewing these these processes and documents, it it helps give a clearer picture of of a more modern day service as well, and what's what's expected of them. Um, how do you think it'll kind of help services going forward? Well, I think it's good that we've made it explicit about what's required for evidence for good ERCP practice. I think that is helpful, although. I suppose a little bit demanding, more demanding for services, but I think that was an important change. With regards to post-colonoscopy colorectal cancer, it's good that there's now a robust route in which hospitals can obtain the data that they need and to be confident that they're identifying and acting upon this important safety measure and high-level measure of endoscopy quality. With regard to NED I2, I'm quite excited about this. It's really not used very extensively yet, but I look forward to when it's used more, when it's available to more service providers. It means that 
KPIs will be automatically uh, updated or provided with for ERCP and for EUS, saving a real headache for services, which is great. Furthermore, JET's data should be automatically populated for our trainees, which is fabulous. Uh, at the moment, they have to double enter the data, which is a headache for all involved. It's a, a definite plus. Furthermore, there's a few more NEDI2 things that we're excited about. There's um, more information available about post-OGD ulcer follow-up. So it's expected that there'll be uh, follow-up with an ulcer, where an ulcer's seen, to make sure that there's nothing worrying about it. One of the audits required is that one, and I'm hoping that NEDI2, when it's in wider use, that audit will be able to happen automatically. There's also uh, some work on whether pictures are uploaded for OGD, and I think it's important for OGD, for OGD quality that there's a wide number of pictures that are taken, and it's a marker of quality that endoscopists are taking the time to do those to document the key areas. Uh, it does sound like a lot of benefits to that, is, and obviously the efficiency as well, which will help. I think the the integration with jets is is one that I think is is really really a, a real help. Um, myself and Tarbo, as part of JAG, will receive many many queries from from services, and none of them are silly questions at all. Um, but they do need answering. Often I will come, I don't know about Tarbo, will come to yourself and, and ask for the answers. You are our accreditation chair. You have done a lot of assessments. You have been to see a number of services. If I was to ask you your top tips for trying to gain accreditation or achieve accreditation, what would they, they look like? What would they be? I think from a clinical point of view my top tips would be that you have to measure the KPIs every six months and wherever one or more of those is not met that an action is taken so if you've got a colonoscopist who fails to meet one of the targets uh, even once that an action is documented and is fed back I think that's really important. It may just be that it needs reviewing after a time, or it may be that a more serious action is required. But I think where KPIs are not met, there needs to be an action. Furthermore, I suppose, when we're looking at some of the other audits, if there is an audit target that's not met, that a firm ac action is documented and carried out. That's what we really like to see, evidence that when a target is not met, that an action is made and carried out. That's excellent. I think there are so many things that services ask, so it's great to have that advice. And I think that KPI issue that can come up at times, obviously being able to be resolved pretty quickly is is, is one that will help. Uh, Mark, I would just like to thank you for your time today. Thank Tarbo, you. Tarbo, thank, thank you for you your time as well. It's been, a, it's been really nice listening to the pair of you. It's been nice listening to you, Mark, as well. Talk to us about many things. Uh, just to let you know, um, we can be found um, with more interviews very, very soon uh, for your service, wherever it, you get your podcasts. You can also keep up to date with things, all things JAG, easy for me to say, by checking out our website, thejag.org.uk, and our Twitter, 
at jag underscore endoscopy. Uh, I'd like to say thanks again to you two gentlemen. Yeah, and, um, thanks for having me. Thank you. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>